As teenagers, my friends and I made frequent trips to the infamous Baker Hotel in Mineral Wells. Having grown up nearby, we were intimately familiar with the hair-raising stories for which the decaying old structure has a reputation. We'd gone as a rather large group for the first two visits and come up empty. One night, a few of us decided to try our luck as a smaller one. Whereas on previous visits we'd always found an open door or window on the first floor, this time we had to climb up to the mezzanine balcony to gain access. I was the first, so as to help the others. Before I could reach down to pull up the next person, my nose twitched at the distinct smell of cigar smoke. I knew the scent of Swisher Sweets and Black and Milds, but this was different. There being at least a dozen rational explanations for it, however, I ignored it. Once inside, our first stop was the Brazos Room, where reportedly, under the right conditions, the sounds of a long-ago all-nighter can still be heard. We explored the room for some time to no avail, and disappointed, pushed on. As we walked out, I was hit again by another whiff of the cigar. I upbraided my friends for smoking, but none of them, it turns out, had lit up. At last we came to the spa area. Whether from the constant echo, the shattered tiles, or collapsing ceiling, I felt uneasy. We walked through the smoky glass doors leading to the pool, despite my reservations. Two members of our tiny group stretched out on the stone beds while the rest of us looked around. As I stood at the pool's edge, I heard what sounded like a match being struck. I wheeled and caught a strange light in the corner of my eye. On the other side of the smoky glass doors we'd just come through stood a figure outlined in faint, flickering light. As I watched, dumbfounded, the figure faded to black. I yelled at my friends, but by the time I got their attention, whatever I'd seen was gone. Those doors were our only exit. We had no choice but to see whether or not someone or something was waiting for us. Gathering my strength, I opened the door, just a crack, and ever so slowly peeked out. Nothing but empty hallway. Before leaving the hotel, we thought to collect a few souvenirs of our visit from what had once been the reception desk. There were old pamphlets scattered along the floor. As we bent down to pick them up, a box of envelopes rained down on us from a shelf, papers flying everywhere. Everyone jumped. This, we decided, was our cue to leave. As we headed to the stairs, I looked back one last time, curious to catch a glimpse of our mysterious friend. I didn't see him, but from the smell of cigar smoke, I could tell he was still there. Hello, I'm Jamie Markey. And I am some word that means scary, but in a fancy way, Michael Tatum. Scary or scared? Sca- oh, scared. Let's, I'm going to, I am a scared Michael Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> I'll accept it. Thank you. And this is School Intentions. Yay. Thank you, Cooey, for that submission. Cooey has actually worked with me at a few conventions as my liaison. Yeah. And so we've had some uh, ghost story bonding time and he started to tell me this and I was like, send it in, send it in. And so we got it and it was so, so well told and <laughs> creepy. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I did was cheat and use that as my inspiration for my story. That's week. not cheating. That's just that's just finding the, a common thread. I was you know, inspired. That's, that's finding that's that's bringing order to the whole. That's all. That that's is. right. You're that's an artist, good. right? <laughs> so my story this week is actually about well, the Baker Hotel. Before we get to that, yes. what are we calling this week's episode? Oh, right. This week's episode. 
We are an organized machine over here. <laughs> is a house that tries to be haunted. Yes, and that is a quote from Emily Dickinson, the right. American poet. And do the you full... see my note about Emily Dickinson, though? Uh, you do? What? Yeah, wait. It says Emily Big Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed easier to write. Yeah, she, then... was, she was a swinging dick, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no idea, actually. Right. She was sure. rather reclusive, um, but <laughs> who knows? She may have been extremely well endowed for a woman. Uh, <laughs> but the full quote is nature is a haunted house art is a house that tries to be haunted and I just I find that quote it's so gnomic and cryptic as is her style but I just found that really interesting because today's episode is about uh, buildings locations that are well known to be haunted but sometimes it's a little hard to kind of sift out the truth from the fiction. Right. Especially when it comes to something like the Baker Hotel, which I don't know that much about, so I'm going to sit here with my mm. Moscow Mule. Do you have yours ready? I do. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Clink. And uh, listen to you and try to withhold my expressions of shock and awe as you explain. I'm actually not going to try at all. Damn. I'm going to, if I'm shocked, I'm going to be like, what the fuck? Please do. Okay. Because otherwise this is just a podcast of me talking and... There's nothing wrong as with that. As that is, your voice is necessary. My voice or just my gut reactions to things? That is your voice, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's truer than you know. <laughs> um, well, and also, you know, it, it happens a lot with some of these older, and these aren't even that old in the grand scheme of old places, right? No. Uh, you know, 100 years almost for the Baker Hotel. And... You know, there's. The, it's still old enough, though, that some of that history can get lost. And it's like we were talking about last week with the Crescent at Eureka Springs, is that, you know, one woman's entire existence was written out of history because they didn't want a scandal. And if it wasn't for the journals and the notes that were made by girls in the school that knew of her death, we wouldn't even know she existed. And so... It's hard because you can't say, well, there are no facts to prove this pe these people ever existed, so they can't have been real, because so much is lost in time. Well, and that, and that, even in 100 years, and, you know, people can tell you, anyone that looks into this stuff, like, before, nowadays, everything is saved digitally or saved, like, it's, if you put something on the internet, it's there forever. Mm -hmm. But when something, all you had were paper files, you know, like the bureaucratic labyrinth. Right. Um, if all it took was for a courthouse to burn down and how many mm -hmm. generations of birth certificates were lost forever. And apart from that, you'd have no idea these people existed. So there is the lesson is that when you dick, dig into history or dick into history, either way, uh, when you it's history, when you when you slap your dick on history, <laughs> uh, <laughs> things get lost. You're going to things get a lot they of do. a lot of a lot of things like well, come up that you're like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't there's there's a lot of missing pieces that we will never ever found find because either no one was around to document it or right. the documents uh, such as they were are now forever lost because yeah. they were on flimsy paper that exactly burns Even and fires or just dries it up. makes me think of the the suffragist movement right mm. a lot of women refused to uh to sign the um well okay what's the thing called where they go the census that's the census yes where they go around the census <laughs> so <laughs> they refused to sign the census they hid from census takers because their point was if we can't vote you don't get to have us on your census rolls yeah if you, you don't, don't if, if, if we don't, we don't exist, if we don't you, count we'll be damned yeah. if you put us on your piece of paper exactly mm -hmm. so there were a lot of women that just disappeared because they stopped being on the on the census rolls so 
there are just so many different ways that people can disappear or, or stories cannot get told. However, we also want to have some system of disbelief. Like, we don't want to just believe every single story that's told. We have to be somewhat skeptical. Somewhat yeah. skeptical. So, what I think is interesting is to look, both of these stories, I think, I'm guessing about yours because I don't know shit about yours. But <laughs> it seems like, based upon a conversation we just had, is that there's a lot of haunting history that doesn't necessarily have history to back it up. That doesn't mean that history didn't happen. But there's so much to do with the haunting that something had to have happened. Mm -hmm. And so it's, what is a story that's been told through time? What is a story that's a common trope to explain certain things? Mm -hmm. So, And I find that fascinating to see how that kind of storytelling works. Well, because there's truth in there somewhere. If you mm -hmm. only know how to kind of get and decode and figure out. files Yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> Right? And I think I think ghost stories serve just in general. Ghost stories are just things of that nature. That the things that get sort of handed down, urban legends by word of mouth, or that are family stories or whatever. I think that's the forgotten parts of history coming back in some form or fashion, mm -hmm. just to kind of you know. The, I think that's that's how it's in a weird way. That's how a lot of history that otherwise would be lost gets preserved. But you do have to kind of sift through and be like, okay, how much of this is a game of telephone you know it's right. like what started this now over generations becomes this people get facts mixed up or start adding to it for the purpose of a good story and so you're mm -hmm. like there's truth to it but but what is that truth yeah and so truth? what we have done is narrow down as much as we can to get to the truth and then tell you the stories that we can't verify but they are commonly told mm -hmm. yes okay mm -hmm. so we've got the baker hotel it's in a little town called Mineral Wells, Texas. Not that far from us. No, we're in Dallas, so it's about an hour and a half west, like directly west from mm. us. Um, it would probably take six hours to get there. <laughs> Tiny little roads. It's true. Um, it's not true, probably, so don't get mad at us. So right now, <clears throat> the town probably has about 16,000 people in it. It's not real big. Mm. Um, let's paint a picture. Do of the beginning of the Baker Hotel. Please. It's 1922. Good year. Good year. Mineral Wells. It's a town named for guess what? Wells that had minerals. Exactly. Ah, it's I'm very good at this. it's very hot springs, Eureka Springs. It's one of those mineral yeah. springs town. Um but instead of just hot springs or or just spring water, it's mineral water. And that is the shit. Have you ever taken a mineral water bath? Yes. Oh, my God. Like, if you have not done this, <laughs> you have got to go somewhere and do it. Your skin will be on a next level. Like, There's a reason whole economies in small towns grew up around these little yes. mineral springs. Because that shit is golden. Yes. And it may not heal you. I don't know. It may heal you. It may not heal you. But it certainly makes your skin glow. There's, It's pretty amazing. Um, so that's the, the town was named for these mineral springs. So you have all the, you know, the citizens that live there. There's not a ton of people, a few thousand, but it's starting to become a tourist location because of these hot springs. Right. But then you notice, hey, wait, this is attracting a lot of investors. They don't live here, but they come in and they buy land and they buy the spas and they make the money and they're making money off of us, off of our water, off of our town, off of our... Ain't that always the fucking way. Yeah. So they didn't like that. Hmm. they decided they would get together a group of uh, citizens, local citizens of Mineral Wells, got together and 
they raised $150,000 in 1922, which is a lot of money. That's, yeah. Um, That's a ton of money for 1922. <laughs> and what they wanted was to build a grand hotel that would be owned by local shareholders. So they would be making the money. Civic pride. Right. They still solicited someone who wasn't from Mineral Wells to be, like, the main owner. <laughs> but still, uh, he was te- he was Texan. Uh, he was a prominent Texas hotel magnate. Magnate? How do you say that? I've never said that out I think it's before. I think it's magnate, but it doesn't magnate. come up in magnet. magnate. Kind of a magnet for things, but magnate. But he just owned a lot of hotels and shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> that we can pronounce. Okay. Hotels. Hotelier. Right. Uh, Theodore Brasher Baker. What a, Brasher? Brasher. Isn't what a that a great, great name? Theodore Brasher Baker. I'm going to name my first TV child Brasher. Baker. Do it. I like it. Yes. Brasher Jamie. Jamie's a very versatile name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, heretofore, he's known as uh, TV Baker. Um, Baker. What's the name of the hotel? The Baker Hotel. <gasps> You're paying attention. I made the connection. Yes. Ah, nice done. Totally. He got an architect, Wyatt C. Hedrick, involved in the production of the hotel. Okay. Now, I was talking to a friend of ours, uh, Jeremy Inman, yesterday about it, and then I was doing the research on it, and he lives in Fort Worth, which is 45 minutes closer. <laughs> to, yeah. And we give him shit about it all the time. <laughs> Uh, love Fort Worth, but he's really far away. <laughs> it's so like, far oh my away. God, that's so far. We can't go see you. So anyway, we were talking about it and he showed me a picture because he recently went to Hot Springs and visited the Arlington Hotel. And oh, yeah, 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 so it's a picture that I think his girlfriend put together of uh, the Arlington Hotel compared directly with the Baker. And they're like from the front and in the lobby, they're like fucking identical. It's nuts. Um, oh, my God. I love this. Well, turns out there's a reason for it. Yeah? The architect who built the Baker also built the Arlington. Or he modeled it after the Arlington. He didn't build the art, but he modeled it exactly he after the Arlington. He took inspiration from... Yes, because it was also a spa hotel. So a lot of the layout is exactly the same, and that's on purpose. Well, that makes sense. So it's like you, go, you take one successful hotel, and so mm-hmm. it's just good business to be like, well, I'm going to build my hotel exactly on that model because it's working for them. Let's see if it can yeah, work for us. and they were known for their waters and their baths as well. Hmm. So uh, that's what they modeled it after. It stopped construction for a little bit of time because uh, uh, Baker went to California, I think, and that's where he saw a pool at a hotel and he was like we have got to fucking do that like directly that's exactly what he said so <laughs> word <laughs> for word <laughs> right why not why so not? when he came back he said we need to have this an, an olympic sized hotel or olympic sized pool in the hotel it is wow. the first hotel in texas to have a pool I did, that's cool. Isn't that cool? That's I had a cool no idea. claim to fame. Yeah, and that pool was for mineral water specifically. Oh my god! I right? could just oh. swim and do some laps in the mineral they had the pool. Best come out skin. just glowing. Oh, oh yes, yes, please. So the hotel, mm. fourteen stories high. That's uh-huh. for, for the twenties. Uh huh. That's a tall building. For it Texas. was one of the first skyscrapers. Um, nice. Now keep in mind that this is a small town. It's still not a very big town. So it's this one tall building in the middle of town. You see it everywhere you go. And even now you see it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it, falling apart. Yeah, it's still the, yeah. it's still the tallest building around for yes. ever. If, for like, miles. Ever. You can't like, see I think ever the nearest building is like two stories. Maybe, yeah. That's, something like that. Yeah. Um 
So it had two ballrooms, an in-house beauty shop, a bowling alley. Hell yeah! A gymnasium. And it had a hydraulic system that circulated iced water to all the rooms. That is fancy it's, it's as very fuck. Fancy as fuck. This is the hotel I yeah. would stay at. Yeah, it was awesome. It had everything. By 1940, it was completely air conditioned. Oh, right. God. We just live. Can we pause for a moment and talk about how much <laughs> we spend time in hotels because of what we do mm. for a living and how awesome it is to live in a good hotel? Like, mm. it's just when a good hotel, when the, it's like a little contained community where it's like, I can get everything I need right here. The AC, like the first thing I do in a hotel room crank it down. is crank it down because yeah. I would never do that at home because I'm paying that bill. But here I'm like, it's 65 degrees in this room right. because I'm already, I've already paid for this. But like, I just love living out of a good hotel. You go away and you come back and your yeah. room is clean. The bed is made. It's really it's nice. So Why nice. can't also life you, be like a well-run hotel? If you keep it cold, then if you have a cold spot, you'll never know. <laughs> that's true so you know I'm i thinking, never thought of it that way if it gets so cold that you see your breath you'll never know <laughs> <laughs> is it the ghost or is it just a really badass ac i have cranking badass ac yes <laughs> okay so anyway um let's see where was i it, 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 ac by the 40s by the 40s yes okay it took three years to complete and was finished in 1929. At the time, it cost $1.2 million total. So that was 1926, $1.2 million. That's like a million. zillion dollars. By it was $43 billion is the equivalent. $43 billion? <laughs> no, I'm just making shit up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> See, I totally would have believed you. I don't <laughs> I know. know what the math is. I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing to keep in mind, too. It was insanely successful, and it opened a few days or weeks after the stock market crash. Wow. Yeah. After the Black Friday, Monday, Sunday, whatever day it was yeah. that the stock yeah, yeah. market crashed. Yeah, yeah. It was like, Let me just continue I don't think it was Black proof. Friday. Black Friday. But that just happened. <laughs> I'm just going to keep proving my ignorance. That's, that's no, great. That's I, think, I think it was Black. I think it was Black Sunday. Black Sunday. Maybe? Black Monday. It was a dark time. We can all agree. Yeah. It but was not a, for anyway, Mineral Wells. No, it did really, really well. It would house up to 2,500 people for conventions, even though the town only had 6,000. That's so it was huge. It was very popular. Famous people went there, uh, including LBJ. I think before he was president, he stayed there. Um, but he's kind of local to the area. Not Winterville Wells specifically, but that yeah, side of but Texas. West Texas, yeah. yeah. He's a West Texas, uh, West Texas boy. Judy Garland, the Three Stooges, <sighs> Will Rogers. I'm from Oklahoma, so I like that one. Clark Gable. We both like that one. Yeah. Uh, big band legends. Lawrence Welk started out there. No shit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, ah, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, he could barely speak English when he was there. He talked about it. It was crazy. Uh, and even Bonnie and Clyde are said to have stayed there because they apparently stay everywhere in Texas they've been. Well, they probably did. Right. I mean, it's, but they I mean, could, you know they, how it they is. They couldn't stay like, in one spot for long. They if were you Bonnie go and Clyde. on any ghost tour in all of Texas, <laughs> they'll like, be like, Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde, Clyde stayed, stayed here. here. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's really True story. My uh, my uh, the the old man that taught me how to drive. He was, it was Coach Evans was his name, and he was the head of the this independent school driving school in McKinney where I grew up. And McKinney is known to have been a place where Bonnie and Clyde hid out sometime. And there was an old house on the other side of town. And when he was a little boy, this driving instructor, uh, he used to go run errands for them. 
Oh, really? And that's a fact. It's documented. So That's cool. The man who taught me how to drive. What did he get them? Like sandwiches from the local grocery store. Things like that. I mean, I don't... He was too little to, like, go and, like, hey, go kill this man. He wasn't He wasn't right. like that. But, I mean, but, like, was he getting bullets? With, but just sandwiches? He might have been. I and, don't like, know. He, he was, kinda, was, he was getting bullets and weed. burgers. No, burgers. Texas has good <laughs> burgers. So, I feel like it that's does. always been the case. It does. But yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. I just <laughs> sideline. Um, okay, so it was really popular, and then mineral waters, hot springs, spring waters, all of that started to decline in the 1930s. Mm. And the reason that happened is because of science, medical science specifically. So you have God damn it, penicillin. You have um, oh other kinds of drugs. You have antibiotics, stuff like that was coming out. And so people were like, maybe we should go do that instead of sitting in a hot bath. So like folk cures were just kind of going out of vogue. They were going out of vogue, yeah. So gotcha. um, a lot of towns, you'll see those started to tank around that time period. But in Mineral Wells, there was Fort Walters. It's W-O-L-T-E-R-S. I want to say Walters, but... It's Walters, Walters, and that's very hard to say. Then my Sounds mouth doesn't. Walters. Walters. Anyway, it was a military base. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. It moved into Mineral Wells in 1940 and was the second largest infantry largest infantry placement in World War II. Hmm. The hotel was at its most popular and successful during the war, with around thirty thousand people <laughs> living in Mineral Wells. <laughs> Sorry, I just like, I wish they could see you do that. It was like, I whipped and the, the flowers are still standing. <laughs> Woo! It's like a tablecloth, but it's just me flipping a page. Um, it's okay. so dramatic. At the time, a lot of people made the baker their temporary home. And I just like to like this, think of this hotel with these two ballrooms and definitely a bar and the hot water and like all of these people, like military people from world. It's so glamorous when you think about it. And it's hot. It's a hot way to live. Yeah, it's sexy with mm-hmm. music and people were doing you know, like crazy dances that I think of my grandparents did, you know? Yeah, like the swing dances, yes. like the really hard yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, like legit dancing. Oh. Can you imagine? So this was its heyday, was that time period. Nice. Because of the base. Um, unfortunately, after the war, the fort moved out. Another one came in for a short amount of time, and then that left. Um, so it slowly declined after the war and finally closed in 1963. Mm. A group of local investors decided they, you know, probably this hotel looks like shit in the middle of our town. Let's go ahead and start it again. <laughs> so, and it's this gigantic building in the middle of like huge. Yeah, so yeah. You should go to Google Maps and look at it. It's, it really it's pretty is. crazy. Yeah. Um, and you'll see a man on the second floor on the outside walking down the stairs or walking around the corner. It's really weird. You just see like the back of him, and it's probably just some dude that's walking around that shouldn't be walking around, but. It's creepy nonetheless because it's such an abandoned and all the windows are broken and yeah, boarded yeah. up like, and shit like that. What the fuck is he doing there? It's really strange. Yeah. <laughs> but you should check it out. It's really cool. Uh, okay. So these local investors leased the hotel from the owner who at the time was Earl Baker, the nephew of T.B. Baker. So when T.B. Baker, he basically went bankrupt and was like, here, nephew, have this. I don't want it anymore. Um, <laughs> so they leased it from him and reopened it two years later in 1965. Unfortunately... During their seven to eight year run, it's hard to, those dates are changed depending upon what website you check. Mm. So some say it was seven years, some say it was eight years. It depends on um, 
whether who who's right i don't fucking know right. <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing is that unfortunately uh earl baker was visiting the hotel mm. when it was running he visited his old suite which was on the 10th or 11th floor depending upon where you read it um <laughs> And this is true, though. He had a heart attack and died in his suite that he had oh, lived wow. in when he ran the hotel. Whoa. Yeah. That is the one known factual death that happened in the hotel. Hmm. Now, it's a hotel, so obviously people died all the time because hotel. But um, right. <clears throat> anyway, so that's the biggest thing that happened. After seven, eight years, they closed. Uh, and in the 1980s, so that was 72, 73 when it closed. In the 1980s, they did tours of the hotel, but then tiles would fall on people's heads. So <laughs> the city. <laughs> they were like, hey, they, take this tour, but sign this waiver ahead of time. Right. And then the city was like, eh. So Maybe they condemned not. it, and nobody was allowed to go in. That does not mean people don't go in all the fucking time, though. Just look oh, at no. YouTube. You'll like, see it. Claiming a building is condemned is a great way to get a certain type of person to uh-huh. go there all the time. Yes, yes. Um, and so people will go in, there's a lot of vandals, a lot of spray paint, a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of people just looking, you know, the urban explorer looking around stuff. There's plenty of videos on YouTube uh, to check that out. People have tried to revive it over the years, but nothing has been successful yet. Uh, there's a lot of rumors. It's being built, it's being built. And, and that has never happened. So basically it has been vacant and deteriorating since 1972, 1973, which is 47 to 46 years. I did the math ahead of time. Depending on who you ask. (laughs) (laughs) Right, depending. Um, So That's a long time to just be... Yeah, almost 50 years. People don't appreciate how buildings, for all they may be imposing, like, once they are shut down and not kept up, like, they start... They start crumbling uh-huh. pretty fucking quickly. Like, yeah. it would only take about 10 years of a building to be completely unused for it to just kind of go back to nature. Right. Yeah. And it is falling apart when you go. Like, I have not been in there, but I've seen video, and the ceiling has massive leaks. And, you know, you can see mold on the walls, and mm-hmm. it's the floors are caving in, stuff like that. It's really, like, I think someone got injured I did see a report about that. Uh, She was in there with friends or whatever, and she fell a couple floors through the floor because the floor collapsed. That's Um, And she was taken to the hospital. She's okay, but stuff like that Mm. happens. Mm. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) The haunting. Yes, get to the the haunting. There are reportedly at least 49 spirits that make their home at the Baker Hotel. 49? That's what is said. Some of whom died of cancer and whatnot, seeking cures from mineral waters. Again, we talked about it being a hotel. People die in hotels. That's what happened. That's true. Each floor is reported to have at least some story connected to it, but it's really hard to find out what those stories are, much less if their stories behind them are true. Well, you got to think, too, if... if bad things happen like people like hotels i would think especially in a time when it was easier to downplay these things because you know before the internet mm-hmm. when someone could take a video on their phone uh hotels had an interest to keep these things quiet because they didn't want to they didn't want to interrupt business they right. didn't want people to be like oh someone died in this room i mean that's only recent that that's been like ooh, we should go there that's haunted now yeah, before it's yeah. like ooh, that's bad things happen so there. We it's don't easy go. to believe that a lot of that a, a lot of shit happened there that we don't know about because the hotel was able to keep it a secret back right. then and had a vested interest in doing so yeah 
What we know is that the experiences have been documented, and they've been documented extensively. The stories and legends seem to support those experiences, but I haven't found a lot of documentations with, like, documentation with actual facts, like hard facts. This is truth. Mm -hmm. So, that being said, these are the reported stories and hauntings of the Baker Hotel. Oh, wait. Let me grab another sip of my drink. All right. I mean, you can sip while I talk. It's totally fine. No, you can't. Never mind. I'm going to wait. <laughs> okay, so one of the stories is there was a business across the street that faced the hotel, and they called the po- they called the police uh, because they noticed windows opening and closing throughout the day. And it was vacant. There was nobody there at that point. There's not a caretaker. There's not somebody who's doing tours or anything like that. Nobody should be inside the hotel. So they called the police because vandals... And the police went and there was nobody there. And they continued to experience people like the windows opening and closing. And supposedly nobody was in there. So that was freaky. Yeah. A mild yeah, freak. A little creepy. Um, one woman or man, depending upon the teller, <laughs> reportedly jumped into the pool from the 12th floor balcony. But missed. Mm. Yeah. Uh, whoopsie, ghost. She's <laughs> rumored to haunt the hotel. He or she is rumored to haunt the hotel. A bellboy was supposedly crushed by a service elevator. Oh, See? Oh, ghost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Hashtag, whoopsie, ghost. Yeah. Uh, another boy was reportedly decapitated by an elevator after the hotel was closed. So he was one of those urban explorer people going in. And, uh, and he got decapitated by an elevator. Yeah. I couldn't oh. find anything online, though. But still, whoopsies, ghost. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. It's a good story. Why not? Um, so both, though, a decapitated figure and a mangled figure have been seen in the hotel. The Baker Suite, where Earl Baker died, is on the 11th or the 10th floor. (laughs) Uh, People have experienced movement, sounds, and a lot of feelings there. Feelings. Yeah. The sound of high heels clicking can be heard in the lobby. One group of people who stayed the night and they were sleeping in the lobby heard a heated argument between a man and a woman Ooh. in that space with them, but they were the only ones there. Ooh. Ooh. There's the kitchen pantry murder. <gasps> Supposedly, a male married cook got into a huge fight with his girlfriend, who was a maid at the hotel. She threatened to tell his wife about them. He, of course, lost his temper and control and stabbed her to death in the pantry. Ooh. Whoopsies. Ghost. <laughs> women have felt very uneasy in the area and have heard a disembodied female voice warning them to get out Mm. yep i'd listen to that voice yeah i would too yeah sure sure you know what i'm gonna you know this place i don't i'm gonna take your word for it right and it's not a threatening it's a warning it's like you should go like you should go uh to go with Cooey's story, cigar smoke has regularly been smelled on the mezzanine floor above the lobby. Oh, yes. Yeah. Confirmation. Um, confirmation. Uh, there's the Brazos room, which he also talked about. Yeah. It's on the first floor, which was the main dining room and dance hall. Bonnie and Clyde are said to haunt the Brazos room, so they're very busy. 
I think that's bullshit. They can't haunt everywhere. You can't have everything, Bonnie and Clyde. Maybe they could. No, they can't. Why not? Because. Why can't you have a busy social life as a ghost? Share your hauntings. You cannot haunt everything. Well, they can. They just maybe they shouldn't. Well, it's maybe it's. I guess that does kind of go along with a lot of their life. (laughs) So. Never thought about it like that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they stole from banks and now they're stealing the limelight from other ghosts. So rude. <sighs> so rude. Uh, in that in the Brazos room, recording cameras have been turned off. I think there was some ghost hunter thing show. And um, they it was just on a live record and it just got turned off in the middle of the feed. Um, people have smelled chocolate, which is Ooh. rude. Because it's nice. It's like, ooh, chocolate. And then you can't have any. Rude. Um, (laughs) Sounds of music and partying can be heard. And when there was still electricity, lights would go on and off by themselves. One incident occurred during a tour of the hotel by a group of World War II veterans and their spouses. As the group entered the Brazos room, they heard sounds of dishes and silverware clanking, as well as people talking with orchestra music in the background. They all kind of felt they were experiencing the ghostly echoes of a time long past. Interestingly, and my favorite part, is what they heard would have been their heyday, too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a connection there. Right. They were like, maybe so they were uniquely, it, it was like two puzzle pieces coming together at exactly the right time. I know. Like huh. the same kind of age, the same experience, that yeah. time period being this like oh, that's wonderful cool time. Yeah. To think about. I know. I love that. Huh. I just love that. A local psychic has reportedly seen many ghosts in and out of the baker. Most did not die in the hotel, she claims. They just go there because it represents a joyous time in their lives. Most of them do not want to be seen. The only attention-seeking ghost she met was a little boy. He's about six to eight years old, and his parents had taken him to the hotel hoping for a cure, but he died in the hotel of leukemia in 1933. Mm. Very specific ghost of a little boy. He bounces a ball and usually has a shaggy dog with him, as well as an older, quiet, and protective woman. I have heard, though, people will hear a ball bouncing there Mm. a lot as well. Mm. Um, He's been seen, and a little boy has been seen as well by other non-psychic people. So, the most popular, I believe, based upon my research, my extensive four to five hour research um <laughs> is uh the woman of the seventh floor Ooh. she's she's very popular very well known she was a lovely ginger woman often referred to as virginia and she is known as the lady in white hashtag bitches in white every fucking time uh, she was the mistress of the hotel manager and was first seen, her spirit was first seen in the 1950s, or at least it's first reported seen in the 1950s mm. by a porter who worked at the hotel. Mm. Um, there's a lot of talk online. Some people say for sh- she was a wife, she was this, but it seems like the most common thought is that she was the mistress of the manager. And the manager, when it was er- in its early days, would have been Earl. Oh, yeah. Because he didn't become the owner until the mid to late 40s or 30s, I think. Yeah. So it was probably his mistress. She got upset for whatever reason and went to the top floor and jumped off. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she has uh, her suite was on the seventh floor. Um, It was very lavish. And there is a lot of activity reported in that area. Uh, She's been seen in other parts of the hotel. Many people have reported smelling her perfume and her spirit is to be is said to be quite flirtatious with men she may fancy. A maid who worked there would regularly find glasses in the room, like drinking glasses, not eyeglasses. My brain went eyeglasses and then that made this next thing real weird. But she would see red lipstick stains on them. That would be weird if they were glasses. On eyeglasses, right? No, (laughs) just drinking glasses. But she'd see the red lipstick on the drinking glass, even though nobody had been in the room. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, The tour manager in the 80s reported hearing those high heel shoes walking around that area and the lobby, even though he was alone. And she's also been seen looking out from the seventh floor suite window. Like people have seen her from the ground up. Can you imagine what that must be like if you're the ghost haunting this place, which presumably you loved? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, like if you were like just hanging out there and kind of watching it crumble and essentially die as a right. building. Yeah. Like, how, what do you, like, that's sad. Like, where do ghosts go when their buildings die? Right. <laughs> when it makes you think, too, that when Baker went back, if he that oh. heart attack, what that was? Oh yeah, maybe he had. Mm, maybe mm-hmm. the. It's interesting that it was a heart attack. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe he saw her, or maybe they. Ooh, maybe they even had a little ghostly tryst, and he died making love to a ghost. I mean, I'm totally just no, making I think this she up. She scared the shit out of him and killed him because she was pissed. But that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. The horror movie lover in us wants there to be a connection there when probably he just fucking had a heart attack because he had too many cheeseburgers. Um, <laughs> well, again, it's not as interesting. Texas burgers are awfully good. They're so good, you guys. Uh, we know how to we know how to burger here. So um, there's a lot of those kind of urban legends, though, like the the mistress jumping, com- you know, uh, attempting suicide, mm-hmm. completing suicide, mm-hmm. those types of things. Um, is is a very common trope. So yeah. as is uh, as is by the wonder. way the little boy with the ball because mm-hmm. that's that's a popular that story in several yeah. yeah so knowing that though there is a video on YouTube of an elderly woman named Joyce Hamilton uh, she's from Mineral Wells and she discusses the death of the the woman that may or may may not be Virginia she claims to have been twelve at the time and she was at the church that's behind the hotel um, it's behind and kind of little catty corner to it. Mm. She remembers it was a Sunday and all of the kids were being rushed back inside because something really bad had happened across the street. Then an ambulance came. It was all over the papers and all the adults talked about it at the time. And she remembers vividly that day because it was so strange and tragic and kind of scary. And she wanted to go look, but her parents were really strict, so she didn't. But she was told what happened. Um, She jumped off of like a lot of it's a lot of this people say that she jumped and by the pool but it wasn't it was on the outside of the hotel so she was on the street it's first street i think is right behind so that's where she jumped and um the it was known the the affair kind of came out and and oh, all of that kind of came out in uh and man. you know she heard the adults talking about it so because where she was, uh, Dexter's very sad about this story. <laughs> because <laughs> where is. she was landed, um, you could see it from the church, and they were letting out of church at the time. So that's why everybody was like, get the kids back inside. 
Do you think she chose that time and that spot for that reason? I feel like she probably wasn't even thinking about that. I don't know. She might have been. I mean, sometimes, you know, suicides think very long and hard about why they're doing it and like the message they want to leave if that's their point. And like jumping off a building in a public place is a pretty public way, is a pretty, um, I don't want to say showy because that sounds like I'm, (laughs) that sounds a shitty way of putting it. But it's like a way to like to jump off a building like that. That's, that's making a statement. It is, but also it can be very, very impulsive thing to do that's true most, we don't know we don't know where her mind are was very impulsive they're in that yeah. moment of this is a great yeah. this is a great chance for me to just and, that, and that's have to worry about it anymore that's likely yeah. that's likely to be the story uh, but part of me wonders if there was a larger story that was going on that she was part of that she was filled with guilt for being part of but thought maybe by killing maybe. myself in this way it will at least bring exposure to the other people involved in this thing like maybe who knows i mean who knows? Or maybe just, maybe she got flack for the affair yeah, maybe. And just wanted to be like, here, this is what you maybe. wanted. Now you get it. Oof. Right? Yeah. I don't know. The writer in me is coming up with all sorts right. of scenarios I mean, then, <laughs> based on no truth or facts. Right? But it's easy to see how these stories <laughs> yeah. can kind of take on a life of their right. own. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And because then you have a People start truth. filling in details. Like they mm-hmm. start doing their own little sort of imaginary detective work and going, what if it was this? What if it this? And then you start convincing yourself that had to have been it. And so yeah. who knows what happened? I mean, for all we know, she was just walking around up there for the view and fucking fell on accident. Yeah, there's not a lot of you know? safety yeah. things up there. No. Um, but uh, on I was looking online and i found this story about this police officer who worked in mineral wells and the more i read what he got he was very specific and and had names of people and like other cops and stuff and so i started to research that and be like well who are these people um and once i started researching the names i found out pretty quickly he was not telling the truth that said it's on reddit it came from reddit and i think it's from their sleep no more sleep no sleep no sleep. I think no it's no sleep. sleep. Yeah. So just Google police officer mineral wells <laughs> and it'll come up. Um, and he has this pretty long story about his experience. It is in no way, shape or form true. Really? But it's very good. It's interesting. It's pretty, interesting. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah. Does would, he present it as fiction or do you have to no, kind of figure that out for yourself? He, he presents it as fact. But mm. yeah, once you put all the. Do you think he, it's do you think maybe he just like took another story and made it his own? To like make the telling a little easier, or do you think it, or did he just completely create all this shit out of? Nothing? I think he he was inspired by the weird stuff that happens in mineral wells, because mm-hmm. um, like weird stuff has been known to happen there anyway. So sure. I think he used a lot of of that as inspiration for the story, um, but it is pretty entertaining, you know, just for fun. Yeah. I would definitely Ugh. I would read it. Ugh. Why not? In more recent news, the Baker Hotel was purchased in 2015, and the owners are still promising a fully restored hotel. No work has been done on it yet, though, from what I can tell. Uh. According to their website, which is thebakerhotel.com, the city of Mineral Wells, Texas, in conjunction with multiple partners and developers, is proud to present a new Baker's Hotel resort and spa experience. As a tribute to its storied past as one of Texas's most famous historic hotels, the Baker Hotel is being resurrected and restored to resemble its former glory, complete with a beautifully preserved hotel facility, a fully renovated collection of 157 guest rooms, the revival of the hotel's famous natural spring spas, world-class business and convention facilities, over 11,000 square feet of retail and shopping space, and so much more. That's on their website. Their Facebook page is still active. We'll see. And the owners recently allowed lights to be put in the bell tower 
of the hotel mm. because apparently mm. there's a bell tower in the fucking hotel. I've never heard of that in my life, but whatever, maybe it's a thing. Um, yeah, but weird. yeah, they, it was an, uh, someone else was in conjunction with them and it was to show that like the city of mineral wells is not a dead city that they uh, are renovating. They are moving forward. Uh, they have holes cause it's not us. Right. They have <laughs> a lot of tax advantages, but mm. that's why they bought it. I think yeah. But they still need like $60 million total. To fix it, drop in the bucket. I mean, right. So I think <laughs> they're working on raising that money before they can start doing anything with it, based upon yeah. what I found. Um, so we'll see. That would be so cool, though. To I would be totally able to spend go, the night there. I would too. Like, yeah, if it, if as long as it was like a comfortable bed. I'm not yeah, sleeping on the fucking floor. Nice, like I would. How cool to go to a hotel that's been restored to look exactly the way it did when mm-hmm. it opened in like another era. That would yeah. be. I would pay damn good money. We could just do a tour of the United States, stopping it. At, like, historic yeah, hotels that'd be amazing. that may or may not be haunted, right. but they're comfortable. Now, you can take a tour. They set it up. Of, you can take a tour of the outside of the building. It's like a walking tour of yeah. downtown Mineral Wells. Yeah. But you cannot go inside. It is against the law. Your ass will be arrested. People with drones will follow you around and put you on YouTube. Watch it. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I wouldn't recommend going in there, especially because it's very dangerous. Well, yeah, people have died or yeah, being injured, injured, at yeah. least going in there. Like, so, so, fuck that. No, stay but out. Can, but you can go around the outside and look. You can also just... Go around the Go to Google Maps. So there you go. That is the Baker Hotel. That is cool. I love... Hotels have a certain aura to them because of how many people come and go. Like, every time I'm in a hotel that's older than, say, 20 years, which is frequently the case, Mm -hmm. um, I have to think about the room I'm in, however many times the sheets have been changed or however many times they've added new paint. I try not to think about any of that. Well, no, I just... I think about, like, you know, I wonder how many people have been here just in the past few days alone and how many of those people are deceased now. And don't wanna think about I, it. I can't help but think about it. I don't I find wanna. It, I I don't mind it. To me, it ma- it makes me feel really connected uh, to like just the kind of rush and whirl of life because you know, and I'm living in a house or an apartment. Um, you know, it I'm makes like, me feel like projectile vomiting. Really? Yeah, I don't like that's it. That's sad. I like thinking. I don't want to wear kind of thing. I don't like thinking about shoes either. Like that's just not my thing. Really? Yeah. I, well, see, when I go to like a museum or something and then see like ancient artifacts from like Greece or uh, ancient it. Greece or something, it's always, it's not so much, the, the artworks are very moving, yeah. but it's the stuff that people used every day. Like maybe here's a oh, comb yeah. that someone used 9,000 years ago in like the Middle Kingdom of Egypt. And and like this is, this got used, like this was taught and then maybe passed on to people. And then like, just, I don't know, that kind of stuff really fascinates me and makes me feel really connected, even though you do have to factor in the fact that like, I'm alive, and I'm the only one alive, and there's, a, like, like hundreds of years of people that are dead behind me that have this, like, it's, I don't know, I, I don't know what I'm saying anymore, but... Right, I, I feel like I, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I like history because it makes me feel connected to a past that is not always palpable anymore. I agree. I like that. Especially in America. And I love the tools. I love you know, little tools that people use, um, but I don't want to use them. I don't want to sleep in their beds. At all. Not even a tiny little bit. Now, what do you feel about, like, if something of yours that you use every day somehow wound up, uh, someone just got a hold of it, like, a hundred years from now, would you, would you be, are you flattered by the idea of something, like, that you used every day continuing to endure, or does it kind of creep you out? Do you feel like, that's mine, get your fucking hands off it? I don't know. I feel like I would want to choose it, but I know that's Mm -hmm. not how it works. It's probably going to be like a, like my toothbrush or something. 
Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's not going to be. Why would anyone be using your toothbrush hundred years from now? No, I'm just saying if if <laughs> it like might end it's up found. At a museum. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. it's found, Oof. you know, it's not going to be something I choose. No. What would you choose to be in a museum of your daily tool, like a tool, something that you use? I don't know. That's a good. What it's hard. You? It's hard to pick because your you one's instinct is to go for something that you feel like sums you up. Like this is a representation of who I am. This is a great little symbol. Uh, synecdoche is the word. Oh my god! The part that represents the whole yeah. synecdoche. Synecdoche, like, <laughs> just like synecdoche, New York. Right. Um, <laughs> that's my big word of the day. Right. Uh, yeah, that's the only one. But you can't find them because, like, a toothbrush. What's a toothbrush? You're like, I don't think about it. But it's, it, but it's really interesting how the object. What would that, you choose, Michael? I don't think I could. I couldn't choose it because so you're not good at this game. I'm terrible at this game. I would I'm choose my Dyson hair dryer. Dyson. Well, I mean, it's my favorite tool that. that I use. <laughs> I would probably choose my glasses. Oh, that's good. I like that. Because uh, they're a part of me. And, and or my great-grandparents' glasses. See, that, and see my, my mother has a pair of, of glasses that the great-grandparents wore. Mm-hmm. Maybe even great-great-grandparents. I'm not sure. It's old, They're old as fuck. Yeah. And she's had them kind of redone a little bit so they can, you know, maintain. But metal. Oh, no. I know what we would have. What? Our Moscow Mule Nuts. <gasps> Perfect. Done. That really sums us up. Well. Speaking of which, before I get into my bit, do, would you like another round? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so today I'm going to talk about the infamous Franklin Castle in Cleveland, Ohio. I have literally never heard of this place in my fucking life. <laughs> well, it's reported to be the most haunted house in the state, which, I mean, okay, full disclosure, I'm not terribly impressed by that claim to fame because it seems like any house that has more than, you know, two stories attached to it or two ghost stories attached to it and known by more than five people is slapped with that dubious honor i don't know i mean there's like and i don't how do they determine that like is it number of ghosts on site is it number of stories is it is that it, it has castle in ghost the title per capita like who who who's in charge of this like who's yeah. the who is the ghostly census taker uh responsible for keeping track of these things and may i see their credentials please exactly now having said that the Franklin Castle does have some cool stories attached to it. Uh, some of them even true. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And and what I love about it is when it comes to what we think a haunted house ought to look like, the Franklin Castle cha- like checks all the boxes. Okay. I mean, all. I'm just going to show you a picture that show I have up on my phone. And job. those of you listening, please take a look. It's it's great. Like if you've never heard of or seen the Franklin Castle, like Google it. Like just just look at this, Jamie. Like feast your oh, eyes that's on that. As fuck. It screams murder house. Yeah. Right. And it's. <laughs> I mean, you, it's a house you pass, and and you're like, that's haunted. And you look at the windows in the top because surely someone's looking back at you. <laughs> that's exactly okay. This is great. Yeah. Okay, this is great setup. So before I get into the specific history of the Franklin Castle, uh, which is not named for the person who built it, it's named for the street it's on. Uh, this was in Cleveland, Ohio. Franklin uh, Avenue was a really, you know. Um, haute couture address if you had money it was second only to euclid avenue which was known as millionaire's row in fact it may still be known as millionaire's row in the later part of the of the fancy cleveland 19th century. so but so before i get into that though i'm going to talk a little bit about because i love this kind of thing you know me and my passion for like architecture and architectural history right and oh it's, yeah it's a and weird we'll put thing that picture mind. up on the instagram too so people can oh yeah yeah and i hope you'll put some of these i have more pictures to show you i will put them all on there michael so, i might even teach you how to do it why would you do that you're right that's, that's a, what a waste of time <laughs> yeah uh, would... i don't learn new things he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> Not you do it. Um, 
<laughs> I'm busy doing research and looking at pictures of buildings. That's um, not true. He's reading books that no one will ever read, so he can be like, oh, I read this book. And then you can be like, what is it about? And then four hours later, you might as well have read the book. Funny you should mention that. So... <laughs> So I want to, as kind of a a weird sideways entree into talking about the Franklin Castle, I want to kind of go into a little bit of fun history about why the popular image of a haunted house is what it is in the American mind. Do tell, Michael. Okay. So it kind of, let's start with this um, famous, I I wouldn't even say iconic painting by American uh, artist Edward Hopper. He's well known. He's he's made several paintings. Yeah, that I've people totally know. heard of him. Like all you'd know the him time. if you didn't know him. You'd definitely his. It's you'd know the pictures even if you hadn't seen them. Right? Totally would know the pictures even if I hadn't seen them. Hundred thousand percent. So this is in 1923. He painted a painting called "House by the Railroad Tracks," and I'm just going to show it to is you. Is it a house by the railroad tracks? As advertised, it is oh, it's exactly a bigger house than I imagined. It is. It's a. It's kind of a, a stately but somewhat fading Victorian mansion, mm-hmm. just hanging out by its lonesome. It's haunted as well. And in well, and it's it's hanging out by some railroad tracks, right? Yeah. And it's a beautiful. It's daylight in the painting, so there's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really manifestly spooky about the the painting at all. It's just a kind of little a pastoral of of something he probably saw. In fact, it is based on a real house, I believe. But don't you think? Even though it's not really creepy in its own, don't you think it looks kind of familiar? Again, those of you listening, look it up. It's called House by the Railroad by it Edward does. Hopper. It has it has columns in the front. And that in my mind, columns mean millionaire. So every well, column oh, in fact, every yes. column is a million dollars. That's you're probably not wrong. That's my um, anytime I see a house with columns, I'm like, Well that's a four million dollar. Don't you <laughs> that's a six million dollar. <laughs> that's a, this, this will be like a oh there's like what eight columns six seven yeah. eight nine jack ten. always jokes ten. like there's ten columns ten, in the painting ten million dollars jack always says that means and they're at that least they just store the money in the column and they're at least yeah well probably you didn't trust banks back then <laughs> um <laughs> and there's like three chimneys this big central tower we're gonna uh, go column bashing who's coming with us let's <laughs> <laughs> see if we can find money that's right um so again this this was painted in 1923 right it was, mm-hmm. so the house it's important the house depicted here looks is old it's seen better days it's yeah. not it's not crumbling to the ground it's not on the verge of of being uh you know uh condemned but don't you think it looks just a little bit like let me see the adams family mansion <gasps> It really does. Yes. So in the 1940s, I believe actually 1943, so about 20 years later, uh, New Yorker cartoonist Charles Adams, who created the Adams Family as a New Yorker cartoon before it became uh, a television show later, it wasn't called the Adams Family. It was just his uh, name. These all the characters that, or many of the characters he drew. Uh, for the New Yorker cartoons that he did, uh, wound up being characters in the Adams Family series. It's a long, okay. complicated history, but that in 1943, for the first time, he showed the house they lived in, okay. and it looked like this. Now we don't know that he took Edward Hopper's painting as direct inspiration. It, they just looked very similar. Now that style of house was a like Victorian style house was fairly common at a certain time, so it could have been anywhere. But they're almost exact. And while we don't know if he was inspired by Hopper's painting, we do know for a fact that another important person uh, was directly inspired by the Hopper painting of the House by the Railroad, uh, and that would be Alfred Hitchcock when he decided uh, what the Bates Mansion yeah. was going to look like in 1960s Psycho. And if you're yeah, sure that, that is it's what exactly the, the house. Yeah. So 
already in the in the 40s and then later in the 60s, there's kind of sort of solidified, imprinted on the American mind for most people is the idea that that's what a creepy fucking house is. That's this this looming mansion. It's a kind of a throwback to a different age. So if we go back to America right after the Civil War in what historians sometimes pejoratively refer to as the Gilded Age, this was a time... I mean, rife with income inequality, massive industrialization, political corruption out the ass. Stop me. This sounds all familiar. I know. Um, Like, the wheel has come back around. Uh, So Why don't our houses look like that, then, instead of stupid fucking McMansions that mix their stone and their brick? That's exactly it. I'm so glad. Oh, my God. You're like, this is great. You're just... I hate when stone and brick is mixed together for no fucking reason. Well, so... Victorian mansions among the nouveau riche. Don't yell at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited. I'm yelling at you because I love you. We're talking That's about architecture, and Michael's never been more passionate. <laughs> I, I get very passionate about architect this. passion. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so um, to the class of people that benefited greatly in the Gilded Age during mass industrialization, this was a time it created a class of people called the nouveau riche or the new rich. Basically people that came into a lot of fucking money very quickly and then set about spending it as conspicuously as possible to kind of cement their status as the new overlords of the American, you know, They were fucking obnoxious. They were. And Victorian homes, homes built in the Victorian style were all the fucking rage. They were, in fact, the McMansions of their day. Oh. Uh, And and there's... they're, They're so less annoying. (laughs) They're ugly as sin. Like, Victorian mansions, even in the day, they are built explicitly to showcase wealth. So, they are these homes that have one or more towers. They have turrets. They have what are called Mansford roofs, which are these gross kind of squat, trapezoidal, flat-topped roofs that are bowed out uh, on the sides. Those are the ones that have the windows in the side, and that's where the ghosts live. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I got it. Exactly. And they have like they have that gingerbread trim and the mm-hmm. everything. There's and there's also the big the big push was to like if there's anything structural, anything there that's actually, you know, it's just kind of a great metaphor for the time. Um if there's anything structural, what's actually holding the house up is disguised as fuck and ornamented as fuck, just to like just make it look like this airy fairy cast fucking casserole of architectural bling that's just there to make sure that the people live there feel more superior than everyone else in view of the house. Right. Yeah, we still love those. Yeah, we do, and they, and they, and they, I, I don't, but I, they're still. I mean, that, but that style persists. So this, and the, not was just the exterior, the interior of these houses, the floor plans were hideous. Like the, there were so many interior rooms that were seldom used, like lounges and studies and and sitting rooms and parlors that people maybe pass through once or twice a week. And they didn't communicate with the outside. Those The rooms that did communicate with the outside were hung with really, really heavy drapes to keep the sunlight out so as to preserve the delicate Baroque upholstery oh. and the oil paintings that were cluttering up this fucking And the stones. allergies. All of the and allergies all stayed and in. And so the interiors were incredibly gloomy. And to your average person who was probably grown up on a farmhouse or in a bungalow or an apartment of some kind... These homes, these Victorian homes, had more in common with a fucking pharaoh's tomb than anything like a warm, loving house. Right. And yeah. and they were just symbols. Now, along comes the First World War, and after that, modern architecture kind of became the new vogue. And, and people like Frank Lloyd Wright and um, Grubier and um, Philip Johnson, they pushed this idea uh, that was... Everybody in- remember those names for quiz night. 
Just write <laughs> it down so real anymore. fast. Well, their their whole thing was their style was in direct opposition to the kind of excesses of the Victorian simple, style. Very simple. So they were all about Streamlined. like streamlined, like simple uncluttered open spaces filled with natural light um you know uh straight lines uh and the structural like principles were played up rather than disguised so, and there's and zero ornament zero right. ornament in most of these houses right well yeah. so that just a generation later became the norm that that's where the rich people wanted to live and have their houses built like and so they started abandoning these victorian mansions in droves they would either just leave them empty outright uh, or they would sell them to families for a song who in turn did not have the funds to keep them up. So these houses tended to decay and mm. they tended to be abandoned by the next people. And then they became them. houses of ill repute. And yes. then when the town yes. revolted, they were all put in the attic and forced to stay there until they died. And then they haunted that. <laughs> That's just a house from when I grew up. But it's like, I'm going to say, you've been hurt before, haven't you? I haven't. I mean, <laughs> that's a story. Anyway, sorry. it is a story. It is a true story from a true where story you grew up. Yeah. But uh, so these houses, so you have to, how weird is it that in just the space of about a generation and some change, they're these once imposing, if grotesque, structures go from being like symbols of wealth and power to being the bane of homeowners associations everywhere. And every town had at least one. Every yeah. town that grew up, you know, that had centralized location that had downtown on a main street had a Victorian mansion or three or five. Even the new Jumanji has that mansion. Right. And so these houses at the time, like they, they tended to attract squatters. Uh, mm -hmm. They attracted, sometimes they became boarding houses for the working poor. So to people that lived in those neighborhoods, these houses began to be like, uh, they they drove down property values. They they were Can ugly. I just say they were that whenever I hear the term squatters, I just imagine people squatting inside of a house. Like that's all they just go in there and they squat. I, I believe that's, that's what they do. Isn't that what they do? Or am I wrong? I think they just stay there and they live there. But I literally picture them squatting. <laughs> And just like a whole bunch of people squatting and like walking around in a squatty potty position, just walking around in the house. Anyway, so, that's just anyway, my so mind. Getting, so getting in, uh, back into it is um, this idea that the Victorian mansion, like if I ask you to picture a haunted house, you're you're more than likely uh, being an American, you're going to think of a particular type of house. You're going to yes. think of like the house from Clue, or you're going to think of the Adams Family Mansion or things like that. And there's a reason for that is because those houses, many of which are still around, though in, in shoddy condition, uh, are, they are delicious dilapidated they are even critics refer to them as reminders of death they they have more to do with mm. death and decay and they are seen as unfriendly reminders of a time in history that we are deeply as americans kind of embarrassed about because the gilded age was a really ugly one mm -hmm. um because of just how much shit was going on and how how the rich were just these barbaric robber barons like we're talking like granddaddy rockefeller and right, jp morgan yeah. these people that went out and made their money by exploiting poor people right and that um, is different from today not at all oh, but okay one day the mcmansions you see now are more than likely going to suffer the same fate and people will be like see that Here's mcmansion that fucking, down there no That's, but it's not one house. it's a whole neighborhood with mm -hmm. one goddamn floor plan whole or no i'm sorry yeah. you get to choose between three They're but everybody disgusting. chooses the only one that makes fucking sense mm -hmm. and it's always the one that has the office in the front room fuck that anyway sorry yeah and that has been our podcast about architecture in america <laughs> thank you so much for listening well i just think it's <laughs> i think it's before we get into the franklin castle because Let's as i showed you the picture the franklin castle is <laughs> oh okay well never mind no, We're done. <laughs> you're so mad at the wealthy now I am. so the franklin castle though it's it's because constructed um 
in what's called the the Queen Anne Revival style, which itself is a subset of the Victorian thing. Victorian yeah, architecture you know, is itself it. a weird mishmash of um, like French imperial, which has all the ornament and, and statuary and stuff, and um, late medieval Gothic. European medieval gothic. So it's really busy. It's really imposing. It's meant to scare the shit out of you. Like, it's mm-hmm. meant... Like, these are churches built in this style. Are there but, gargoyles know. on it? There are, in fact, gargoyles on the Franklin Castle. So Franklin Castle... I'm going to tell you... Here's the kind of... Uh, okay, it's my favorite so, thing right now is there are gargoyles on it. Yeah, You're going to have to work really hard to beat that. I, well... <laughs> I'm going to try. So, distilled to its essence, like, the popular legend of Franklin Castle goes more or less like this. This mean old German man built a castle in Cleveland, Ohio in the late 1800s, and he filled it with sinister secret rooms within which he did all manner of unsavory things like, say hoist himself on unwitting servant girls or, you know, kill members of his own family. In so fact... This is like a rich dude. Like a rich white dude. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who could hide behind walls. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and he... Uh, so thoroughly did he drive his own bloodline to extinction that the name uh, died with him. He was the last member of his own family. Okay. And cheers to that. Cheers to that. And during the Second World War, the castle apparently became the headquarters for a German spy ring. A would-be mole met with a very grisly end on the site during some cloak and dagger exchange. Oh. We don't know if it's really whatever. And so, as you might suspect, the place became haunted. And, um, you know, sometime in the 60s, a new family moved in and immediately found themselves beset by all these ghostly residents. There was a hashtag bitch in white. Of course there was. There was a was. weeping young girl that the children often saw. Mm. There was also, You can however, find those at conventions, Just too. for a little variety, there was... That's <laughs> true. Always, a, there's usually always in a, a girl weeping. Usually in a corner with a pizza box. She's just all by herself. Aww, but all too real. Weeping um, in a corner. But it, just for a little Sorry. variety, there was also a woman in black. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Right? Right? Well, diversity. Very Daniel Radcliffe and, up right, there. Yes. And uh, she was uh, often seen... Staring forlornly out of one of the tower windows. Well, how else are you going to stare? They heard footsteps, disembodied voices, objects moved their own. I mean, the works. They called in a team of parapsychologists, one of whom came, like, ran screaming from the building in the middle of the night, never to be the same again. This is all in the 60s. In the 60s. 60s, I love it. I love it. A priest. A priest. They looked so cute at the time, too. She was so cute (laughs) screaming and running from that house. She had a little bob and, like, flaps. I love that you have this whole picture. Mini skirt, but, like, an orange striped sweater. from, like, the Sears Robot catalog circa, like, 1972. Yeah, I've got it. It's all in my head, and I love it. The family called in a priest, uh, very similar to the Amityville Horror, Mm -hmm. which was around the same time, incidentally. So it was a thing about priests being called into houses. Uh, There still is. It's kind of a thing they're known for. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's like what they do. To give the house an exorcism because the Catholic Church does not exercise buildings. They only offer to exercise people, and even mm-hmm. then, very, very rarely. And, but he did tell the family to that they should leave, but there was an evil presence here that he could fill, that, that he could feel, not fill. That's weird. Um, I'm going to fill this uh, evil. That so the sounds family, like a really bad line. <laughs> the, the family sold the house to a man who later found human bones Ew. in a closet somewhere. 
um, a satchel tape recorder was yanked from the shoulder of a local radio host who was doing a Halloween <gasps> piece, and it was flung down the stairs and shattered. A television reporter doing a similar piece not long late, not long like I think the next year or a couple of years afterwards witnessed a light fixture going crazy and like spinning overhead with Love other it. people in the room. Yes, um, I mean stuff like that has been pretty rampant. And according to legend, like subsequent owners have met with financial ruin within months of buying the house, oh. and this has been time and time. Like everyone who owns the house, and there have been a lot of owners since the since its original building um and it's not just because they can't afford to get a new roof like myself <laughs> i mean <laughs> you would think not i mean personal. but i guess it's a the, the roof for a house like that must be like exponentially more expensive than most roofs yeah because it, they're so the weird shapes anyway uh so and it's it's burned multiple times um so there it stands to this day, empty on the street corner there in Franklin Avenue, uh, high rank, a uh, high flank and address. But it's it's a cursed property if ever there was one. Now, that again is is those are kind of all the beats from the popular legend surrounding Franklin Castle. So okay. murderous German killed his family <laughs> and other people, ruined and servants all. ruined all of them. Go, German spy died, uh, you know that, and then this guy. Everything the, you, you know, just said, right. <laughs> So, we're going to go back in time quite a bit. Again, back to the Civil War. And so, uh, the property in which the castle now stands was originally surveyed as part of the Connecticut Western Reserve. And a surveyor named Jacob Perkins purchased a really large tract of land from the Brooklyn Township. Connecticut. But it's in Ohio. Well, it's all part of the similar same territory at the time. <laughs> oh, and uh, in fact, it was called the Brooklyn Township, uh, but now known or is then known as Ohio City. Now it's Brooklyn Township. Like it's fucking names, right? Yeah. So his subdivision had a weird uh, triangle, the triangular shaped lot. It was lot ninety four that like he had, the Bermuda uh, Triangle, well, or the Ohio City Triangle, or the Brooklyn Triangle. More like so. That. But he because of its weird shape, he had a, had a hell of a time selling it. He finally found a buyer several years later. Uh, this guy from. Um, Ontario named Alfred Wolverton bought it for uh, the whopping sum of five hundred dollars in July of eighteen sixty. Now um, Alfred Wolverton and his brother Jasper, Jasper, Jasper. There's several, and there were several Wolverton brothers. So uh, you'll you'll hear more about them in a moment. This is just a fun little sidebar to the story. Um, they started building this house there. They were calling Bachelors Hall because it was just for the two of them and their friends and servants and stuff. Like mm. they weren't they were unmarried. They were actually students at the time. So it took them a while to build the house. Because, so in college. Uh, they're they like, were, yeah. we're gonna buy, we're gonna build this <laughs> pretty, pretty fucking much. house just for us. Pretty much, and so it was. It Rich was being assholes. well. They weren't. What they weren't. They weren't excessively wealthy, and they were building this house themselves. And uh, much so of the, they were the going out there with hammer and, and nail. Yes, and okay. that's why it took so long to build this. This little. It was like a little two story wood frame house. Okay. With like they did build a carriage house onto it, which was pretty fancy for the time, but nothing like it would become later under okay. new management. I will allow it. So then. around the time of the outbreak of the Civil War, money was pretty tight for them because mm-hmm. of all the debt they were incurring building this house and how long it was taking. Of course, they had school and everything else. So they, believing, as a lot of people did, that the war would only last about a month or so, they enlisted. Oh, whoopsie, and, ghost. Yeah, they... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is around that... Okay, so remind, bear in mind, they're Canadians, right? They came from Ontario, and uh, there's oh, about... that changes everything. Well, but there's were Canadians enlisting in the Union Army. Around this time was when the famous Trent Affair happened. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, it's that so was so famous, a, I've uh, never heard of it. <laughs> there was a... <laughs> <laughs> was a uh, the San Jacinto, which was a, a U was a Union San Jacinto. San, uh, San Jacinto uh, was a Union gunboat, and it waylaid illegally waylaid a British 
uh, a British ship called uh, the Trent, uh, the RMS Trent, and uh, commandeered two people on board who were uh, Confederate emissaries sailing oh. for Britain to try to get help. Try to get help. So well, and this is this is part of, well, and so it was. It stirred this whole big controversy, and in fact, President Lincoln had a lot of pressure from his constituents to declare war on Great Britain because it looked like they wanted to side with the Confederacy. Oh. That freaked Just out. Just because two dudes were going over to try to uh, to lobby for money to yeah, support them, and like I mean, it was an act of. I mean, it, I mean, uh, long long story short, like he didn't. We as you know, we didn't actually declare war on Great Britain at the time, right. but we became dang- We got dangerously close to it because of Seems this excessive. whole thing, right? So the uh, the person that can that was sent from because so the fifty thousand plus uh, Canadian soldiers who were enlisted in the Union Army at the time were freaking out because if America declared war on Great Britain that was also meaning they're declaring war on Canada <laughs> you know so oh Canada oh Canada so <laughs> they they sent a dude and it just happened to be one of the one of the Wolverton brothers who was still living in Ontario at the time they sent Newton their brother down to talk to the president to like convince him please don't do this it's not worth it you cannot we you need you have a lot of soldiers from canada you can't declare and so because of this lincoln was convinced not to do it and backed off and we didn't go to war with great britain again um thanks brothers what's interesting is that while newton wolverton was staying in washington dc uh he stayed there for a little while while he was meeting with the president he stayed in a boarding house and whom do you think he got to know a little bit as uh, a fellow boarder no less a person than John Wilkes fucking Booth. I was going to guess that. Uh-huh. You didn't even let me guess. Sorry. John Wilkes Booth. Right. <gasps> <laughs> so uh, so back to the, the, the brothers that were building Bachelor Hall. Uh, Jasper died of, um, I think he died of typhoid fever. Um, pretty much within a few months of enlisting, which was pretty Aww. common. His brother... Uh, died just a few months, or excuse me, a couple of years later in, in 1863 of smallpox. Uh, another brother, Alonzo, had come down from Ontario to finish the house shortly after this, and uh, but wound up having to sell the house and the property to just pay off the debts they had incurred yeah, trying to well, build it. So it has a kind of already tragic beginning. So along comes this, this guy uh, many years later. In 1881, uh, there was a German immigrant by the name of Hans Tiedemann. Now, he had come from Prussia in, like, the 1840s with his with mm-hmm. his family and then moved to Ohio when he was apprenticed to a barrel maker, which is a thing you could be apprenticed to do back then. But he made a lot of money. He literally made bank. He got into banking. And uh, when he got to Cleveland, by he got into barrels? banking. and No, he made bank by founding the Euclid Avenue Savings and Trust. Oh. And then he had a lot of money. So, now he was getting on in years, and he had a wife and uh, several children. And uh, he bought this property on Franklin Avenue and began, he, he got a famous architectural firm, uh, where their names, it was Cuddle and Richardson, I love Cuddle, maybe Cadell uh, and Richardson, would they, they're, a lot of the buildings from that same time period um, in Cleveland that still stand were built by them. Oh, a lot of I was confused buildings. why you loved them, and I was like, I don't understand what's happening. They were the architects. Got it. They were the architects, yes. He, he enlisted this architecture firm to build this that, house. You may have said that, but my brain was like, what's he Moscow saying? Moscow Mule. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so you so the they got the architects to build the building. They got the architects to build the building, and it was kind of done up in the in the Queen Anne style again, a subset of the Victorian style. So it had all that stuff. Now it didn't start looking like a castle until later. So just uh, by the 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 first iteration of the house was completed in 1883, and ju- in that same year, his 15 year old daughter Emma died of diabetes, which in the back in the day there was no treatment for and it was an ugly prolonged and painful death she essentially starved to death within a week of her dying mother tiedemann that is to say hans uh, mother who lived with him died as well and over the next three years they buried three more children oh well i mean it's pretty common only it was but i mean all these children the only the only child of his uh, son named august the only child of his to survive infancy and adolescence he still managed to outlive uh, by about a year tragically so when hans tiedemann did later die of a stroke while walking through a, a park uh he was the last of his line and the tiedemann family okay. died outright oh this so, is the guy we hate this was the german the mean german who supposedly did all these horrible things and murdered his family he didn't murder his family at all they just um, died they a just lot. they died of natural causes there was a lot of tragedy in the house in fact the reason it's supposed that he began adding more castle-like things to the facade, like the brick, or excuse me, the stone and the gargoyles and the turrets, was to distract his wife, who was just beside herself with grief. They turned the third floor into this massive ballroom, which was the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. And uh, all sorts of things. Now, these secret passages that were supposed to exist didn't, uh, or mm-hmm. at least they don't survive anymore. And it, it's possible they did, and there was a pretty hefty renovation done later where they may have been lost. There was a secret stair, secret, in quotations, staircase from the kitchen to the front door for servants, which was a fairly common feature of houses of that right. size at the time. So I love uh, a secret staircase. And so, I love a secondary, small, secret staircase. Right. I don't know so, why. I love it, it's though. Cool. I want one in my house one day. Right. I want secret passages, too, just like in Clue. I love like, I want, that's the second yeah. time that's come up. But, <laughs> so, um, a few years later, Louise, his wife, died of uh, liver failure. And mm. so, he... She was drinking away her sorrow. Maybe. Cheers to that, sweetie. Well, and so, when the rumors started about Tiedemann maybe being responsible for his family member's death or being this horrible guy, he was a kind of, he was known to be kind of brash and loud. Uh, so people just kind of extrapolated from that that he must have been a total tyrant in the household and sc- terrified his family. But there's no evidence at all to suggest it whatsoever. But he did remarry within a year of Louise dying and moved out of the house, sold it to the Mulhauser Brewing uh, family, another German. A lot of Germans lived in this house because of its heritage. And uh, people just started talking like, did he have something to do with his wife's death or whatever. And he, he divorced his new wife, Henrietta, just a year after that, uh, even though they were living together in an even more opulent Hashtag house across rebound. town. Right. And then he died not long after. His, his son died, and then he died. And then mm. within the whole Tiedemann clan. So it's very tragic. Now, so, and during, in fact, so during the, um, during the, uh, the Mulhauser years, they had it for a little while, the Brewing family. They sold it, just as a side note, they sold it briefly to a doctor whose name I love. He was named Dr. Ulysses Sherman Leroy Shirky. Shirky? <laughs> Shirky, yes. I like it. Shirky, S-H-I-R-K-E-Y. Shirky. Um, mm. He has a mild claim to being a footnote to history because he compiled a book that was published for the benefit of his colleagues of basically it was a list of patients who didn't pay their bills so very popular among doctors in uh, ohio yeah. <laughs> so anyway he um 
In the 20s, apparently, the Franklin Castle uh, actually did serve as a headquarters for German cultural organizations and the German Socialist Party. So there is a little bit of truth to the spy thing, though there's no evidence of actual spy work going on. The German, you know, social party was... You know, um, get drinking beer and getting real loud up in there. Well, and they so they made a ton of reservations to the house, which m- may have been where, if there were secret passages, may have been where they went. Maybe that's like they disappeared during these renovations because they, I mean, they made extensive renovations to the interiors. They they knocked down walls to open up the space. There was a cage door with a lock and a buzzer added between two of the floors to restrict access. So that seems kind of shady. Like maybe there were things going on that they didn't want the outside world to know about. And they were, in fact, doing that because during <laughs> Prohibition, they it was it was a drinking club. I mm-hmm. mean, they it was a singing club too. Like it was a German singing club where they preserved German song and and all that. But it was it was basically a singing. It was a drinking club with a singing problem. Right. Well, it's it called the it. Eintracht Club by members, uh, which just sounds like they were drinking. And apparently, a shortwave German radio was found in the rafters some years later to give a little bit of credence to mm. the idea that maybe there had been some spy activity. Right. It's not hard to imagine, but there's just no documentation of it ever. You know, there's, it's never been well, acknowledged by any government. During the war, there was so much right. hatred towards right. Germans. Well, during the Second World War, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So uh, that happened. Now, the, the only reason, the only remains of a story of someone being murdered there comes from a woman who many years later uh, she was she was a young girl at the time and she remembers hearing something about it and she was interviewed about her relationship to the house and she got a lot of letters from people that lived there over the years because they knew that she was she was a prominent social um her name, was Mrs., uh, her name was Mrs. Ruhrkraut, and she kept up with German cultural things going on in that building. Even all after I want she is German there. food now. That's God. all I want to do is I'm eat German so food. You hungry. keep talking, and all I hear is schnitzel. <laughs> so, oh, schnitzel's so fucking good. Red cabbage, um, fucking yes. Oh, just beer. Mm. So, um... So that the only she apparently in an interview much later in life said, "Yeah, I remember they're talking about being a murder there, but there's no that's the only remains of any kind of rumor of a story we might have anymore." So, uh there was a nurse during the 30s that uh used to live there to take care of an ailing attorney who lived on the property as one of the German uh socialites or whatever that called the place home and she remembered later in life like hearing like she got really uneasy living there because at night she would hear a baby cry when there was no baby <gasps> not there okay so a guy named james romano bought the house in 1968 uh, he had a wife and six kids so they got busy and uh, they wanted apparently to turn it into a restaurant but like from the moment they came in the story goes or the, this is what the romanos reported like the moment they came in the children had been playing in one of the upstairs rooms and came downstairs to mrs romano in the kitchen and said um, can we get like a cookie or a treat or something for our new little friend? And because she's upset, she's crying. No, you cannot. And Mrs. Romano was like, "The fuck!" and <laughs> went up there to check it out. No, no child anywhere except her own. And that happened a lot. She would hear, and this is a great again. Think of the exterior of the house that I've shown you. She used to hear organ music coming mm. from somewhere within the walls. Could never quite locate the source. She also heard footsteps, disembodied voices. I mean, your typical stuff. And that all comes from the Romano era. Uh, era. They did, in fact, um, consult what's called, uh, where are they here? The Northeast Ohio Physical Research Society, which is now a defunct thing, but it was it was basically a parasi- paranormal studies group. Uh, studies group? A paranormal investigative group back right. in the day. 
I think they were associated with the local college. They came in to investigate. So that did happen. I, I don't know that one of them ran screaming from the premises, or maybe they did. They were high. Who knows? But there's no, that's just kind of hearsay. But they did, in fact, investigators did show up and apparently have some luck capturing some things on, on camera, having oh, cool. experiences. Uh, so, Is there and, and a movie they did, about this place yet? Not yet, but there Damn fucking it. should be. Okay. So uh, they did have a priest come in who wouldn't do the exorcism, but told them they should probably get out right. because he could feel a presence there. That's true. They sold the house in 1974 to a guy named Sam Muscatello. I love these names. Yeah. He wanted to convert it to a church, of all things. And in order to try to raise money for the conversion, he would give tours uh, of ghost tours. Oh. So, And this was a time where a lot of the stories about, like, you know... Uh, old man Tiedemann was a murderer and his wife and, the, you know, the woman in black and the woman in white. That was the... He just played them up. To get um, tours. So to it's get kind tours. of like um, the Winchester Mansion. Very much like making it, making up you know? a story to make it to sound good. To try to, good. you know, oh, okay. get money. Okay. And and while there was some truth to the stories, I mean, he wasn't making them up. There were some... Like, a lot of these stories came from the time that the Romanos lived there. And so but he I mean, was just the... kind of... But he was definitely capitalizing on them. And this was the guy that found bones. He found them in a panel, behind a panel in the... Um, tower and they were there's no debate about them whether or not they're human bones they definitely are human bones but most people now think that this this muscatello guy put them there himself because he was trying to make money and he was was trying to make money and it was a great story like oh my god there was a one of the common stories was that one of uh, that um, old man tiedemann had axed his niece to death in the tower room and that's who the lady in black was but uh, it's bullshit that never happened there was no niece uh that died there was no unless they erased her well, but I mean, it seems like history was doing a pretty good job of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was no Tiedemanns left when he died, but who knows? Right. So, uh, most most serious historians think that, that the story is total fucking bullshit. Okay. There's no, there's absolutely nothing to suggest it. It was just a popular story because, like, a woman gets axed to death in a tower. It probably was redolent to the Lizzie Borden case. Axe murders were all the rage back then. People right. loved reading about them. And just, you know, just like for a time, we loved reading stories about bath salts. So. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, so this Muscatello guy, and um, also, if those bones had been there, like the huge amount of renovations done by the German Socialist Party in the 20s would have uncovered them, surely. Unless they're well the ones before, who left Unless they're there. the bones of a spy! But why the fuck would you bury... You don't bury someone where you kill them. That's not options. true. Why would you do Based that? Based upon history... It happens a lot. Based upon history, it happens a lot because those motherfuckers are found. And if you kill someone, you don't always want them found. That's true. That's why you bury them in the wall. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He hates it when I'm logical. I'm just saying. I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm too smart for, to be a murderer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a horrible thing to say. I'm not that smart. (laughs) Wait. Um, I feel like you know what if you that sounded like a threat. I mean, <laughs> here's what I'm saying. I'm going to say this right now, and I challenge anyone, anyone who hasn't killed someone is smarter than someone who has. The end. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. Now, I, don't, I think that is an, an uncontroversial talking, statement. IQ test. We're not talking that. I'm just saying in general, not killing is smarter than killing. In general. In general. Yeah. I. I mean. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't want to I get stand by it. <laughs> Fucking tweet me. I, I mean, don't care. if someone is going to kill you and there's no option but to kill them, then, it, you know, I guess killing them is pretty smart. But that's, yeah. those are, you know, most of the time. I got to say, I really like, like going, my... sec- going first. 
This is nice because now I can just drink and talk. This is great. You can relax. I know. It's so great. So um, anyway, so where were we? You need to focus. I don't. So uh, the thing about the <laughs> the thing about the radio uh, radio host having the the tape recorder yanked off his yes. shoulder that happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, the news anchor, the news reporter, rather, that did a television piece on Halloween sometime later, while Muscatello was still uh, giving tours there and stuff, that the light fixture thing did actually happen. But one of the crew members like, I think that's just traffic outside that's causing this because they're going by and it's shaking the foundation, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the only one seemingly convinced that it was anything paranormal was was the reporter, who, of course, was we have to bear in mind, was doing a piece on the haunted house. So right. he wanted it to be uh, something spooky because it made him look good. So, um, so Muscatello eventually sold the place because he just couldn't raise the, enough money to turn it into the church or whatever he was going to do with it. It was purchased by a doctor who very quickly turned around and sold the house for the same price he paid for it. Uh-oh. Um, to a police chief named Richard Hongisto? H-O-N-G-I-S-T-O? No, forgive me if I'm butchering the name. Hongisto. Hongisto! He and his wife moved in, and less than a year later, they... Sold the house again to oh. a guy named George uh, Mercetta, who uh, didn't apparently didn't really know anything about the the reputation of the mansion, just liked the look because he was a big fan of that style of architecture, and uh, he, you know. Um, did give tours just as Muscatello did, even though he didn't really believe in the paranormal, but he welcomed people to sign a guest book that he used to keep, like if you have experiences. And this was a time where people saw the lady in black in the tower a lot. Oh. People would see the young girl in white, uh, presumed to be Emma. Bitches in white. Um, bitches in white crying in, in one of the upstairs rooms or hallways. They saw her all the time. And uh, one woman that was on a tour that the Mercedes guy was giving even claimed that she felt like she was being choked when she stepped into the tower room. Now, there was another... I think that woman may be full of shit because there was another false story about, oh, she wasn't axed to death. She was hung by the rafters. Like, you know, popular imagination just couldn't decide how this bitch died. Um, And so, you know, who knows? But it is that is in the little spooky ledger that this guy kept. This woman had that experience. He maintained that it wasn't haunted because he was like, if it were, I wouldn't fucking live here because I'd be too scared. (laughs) He's like, I just think it's interesting. Forget that the other two people that owned it moved out. So quickly like after paying all later. that kind of money. But there are other explanations for that. Some people move into a house for like, they're like, this is a nice big house and we're getting it for fucking nothing. And you move in and the reality of how much it costs uh, to upkeep that shit. Suddenly you go, fuck, I'm, yeah. I'm underwater now and I can't do it. So they sell, they turn around and sell it. It was briefly owned uh, by a guy named Michael Davinko, who was Judy Garland's last husband. <gasps> Oh. He bought it, and he actually went around, this was in 1982, he went around collecting as much of the original furniture from other places that he could, uh, that, that were original to Franklin Castle, wow. and to try to restore it. and find that shit out? I mean, he, apparently that was his thing. He was really good at this, and he got really, really close, and uh, he tried and tried, but in 1994, it, he sold it again. And um, it was bought by a woman named Michelle Heimberger, who was an early Yahoo employee, and she bought it with her stock in the company when they went public. And so she was going to do the same thing. She was fascinated by this house and its German heritage, and so she was going to restore it and all that. And within a year, an arson set fire to the place and did a lot of damage. She could never recover from that damage, and so she sold it. And the final thing is it was finally bought um, not that long ago. I want to say in the early aughts, it was bought by some big shot developer who was like, we're going to restore it and we're going to turn it into the Franklin Castle Club. It's going to be this big deal. And this motherfucker 
he uh, posted pictures online of the work being done on the house. I'm like, here's a fully restored room, all this, blah, blah, blah. All of it was a sham. He wasn't doing anything. He was taking the money he was raising from from public drives oh, and things like that and just fucking took it and ran. And and the house now pretty much stands empty, just hanging out. I think there are the city bought it or somebody bought it, developers bought it, and just just like with the Baker Hotel in Mineral Wells, we're like waiting. they've been talking for years about like we're gonna restore it, we're gonna restore it. But those it's expensive to restore that shit because mm-hmm. you can't just find a, you know the right chair and put it there or paint a wall over like you have to do some pretty you have to gut the building you have to gut the building and then you know find specialists in an architectural style that is no yeah. longer you gotta well and restoration has really high like you have to I, I watch what a lot of HGTV do so you have to <laughs> gut a building but you you keep the stuff that you can so if there's a certain archway design you keep that design so you pull it out you, you you save everything from the walls you can, any kind of architectural in- interest or anything like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. and you use as much as the original uh, structure as you can, but then you go searching for uh, pieces that are of that time period. Just within the building of the, of the, mm-hmm. the rebuilding itself, that's beyond decorating. Oh yeah, you know? no. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a it's a tedious and very expensive process. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah. This, huh. and, oh my, so and the, the liability insurance, you know, all that. Well, the hauntings are like the woman in black scene in the tower, okay. the organ music heard inside. No one, there was, as far as anyone knows, there was never an organ in the house. So where yeah. that comes from. But I mean, there it was, again, in the 20s, it was a German singing culture club. So right, they yeah, might have had an true. organ, you know, not a built in, but a pipe organ, uh, a mini organ or something, or that's like the spinet version of an organ right in there so the hauntings are just that they are of this girl in white seen crying mm-hmm. often by children uh, by the romano family it's the woman in black seen in the tower it's thought to be uh, louise tiedemann just so as it's the woman very in white. much like amityville where the majority of the haunting is just seen by the people one that family have, by the one family and then people that have gone on tours and had experiences heard sounds and been okay. like touched and stuff like that but i mean they some of the the bigger stories or some of the the more um sort of blown out of proportion stories are like apparently like doors explode off their hinges on the regular in this place lights spin around uh wiring behaves erratically which is of course it's an old house uh it's an old house a baby can be heard crying uh, so that's the thing Uh, like the nurse that remembered hearing it in the 30s a woman in black stares forlornly from a small window in the front tower room uh you know it was it was a lot of the story there's there was so much tragedy uh, just sort of natural in the course of uh, history, tragedy uh, surrounding the Tiedemann family that I think people just began to, I, I think that's a very common thing people do. People look at like uh, awful things happening to a person or a, a family and they think, my God, so much shit has happened to this family. Yeah. There's got to be more th- to this. We right. can't, we find it really hard to believe. We're deeply reluctant to believe that that's just how life is. Well, if something bad we can happen to, to those it. people, then that something bad like that could happen to us. Yeah, and we don't like to believe that. Right. So instead we have to say, you know what it was? To vilify. He murdered them. That's yeah. what really happened. And it, there's no proof of that whatsoever. He huh. didn't do any of that. Um, it just seems like the the place was just kind of born bad. It was the place has from its beginning on the the sort of register of places in the U.S. has had has been just one false start after another. Because bear in mind, the Tiedemann Castle they did not live in that house uh, as a castle for very long before everyone died and he left. Like they yeah. built it in eighty one and he was out of there 
uh, just after his wife died. Like this was, we're talking four years later, five years later. Nobody stayed in there very long. No one did. So it's kind huh. of this beautiful, tragic, kind of ugly house, if you, in my opinion, because it's again that that classic ugly Victorian. I mean, it's you can't. I, there was no time in the history of that house that you couldn't look at that and think that's just a weird, sinister-looking building. Yeah. And because of the sort of cross currents of history, you know, people look at that those sorts of buildings now and think they're haunted because we associate them so much with both the excesses of a wealthy class who got wealthy by exploiting working class people. And and because we we think that oh rich people with money and they barricade themselves up in these castle like houses of course they're gonna what depravity won't they commit you know yeah, outside right. away from prying eyes so everything just kind of conspires to create this story I think there are probably ghosts attached to the place but I think they're ghosts that are that are to me are are more sad and more forlorn than ghosts of murderous bloody tragedies i don't think any of that actually happened there i think right. this is just a family that built this house it was a dream house it was a castle is what it's like his whole life this was a german immigrant who had spent his whole life probably dreaming about having a home like this and finally he was in a position to do it build this house for his family and one by one they just die mm. and like the minute i mean so of course like that house from the moment it's a dream that goes horribly awry because you can't ever you know it's like hey i'm built finally get to do the thing i want to do and oh and now everyone i'm doing it for is oh, gone it's like the house becomes a curse yeah yeah and i think the real tragedy of the franklin castle is that now this poor man and his family are remembered as you know being part of something that was not part of their story they're remembered of being part of this you know these orgies taking place on the property and these secret passages or the the axe murder in like the attic and hanging the orgies still happened probably Probably not. Well, I like to think they did. Going on, I'm pretty sure they didn't have time Maybe to plan for parties. Why. Maybe that's <laughs> why they had. They all got. I don't sick. think there was there time. Was I don't sickness. think there was time. They may have intended. There is always time for an orgy. <laughs> if you are determined, always time for an orgy. But it just goes to show you that often is not a, a, an established ghost story or a haunted locale may indeed be haunted, but the spin we tend to give it to make it a better story, naturally, is in some ways kind of deeply disrespectful to the actual historical facts. Right, like, yeah. this is a ghost. She didn't die of being murdered by her father. She was probably cared for very deeply into her last extremity by her father, and she died young of diabetes, which was horrible. And that, if the her diabetes. ghost is still hanging around, um, would she want to know that people thought her father murdered her? Probably not. No. Yeah. Well, so that's my you. take. That is essentially, in a, in a rather large nutshell, <laughs> it's a very large the Franklin Castle. But thank you. Thanks I learned a me, lot. Thanks for letting me ramble about it. Yeah, no problem. You've been dying to go after architecture for a while, so I'm glad you got the chance thank you. to. Thank you so much. Um, so thank you, everybody, too, for listening to our episode today. Um, on Wednesday, we will be doing our live stream on The Twitch. You can find us at Google Intentions. The Twitch. Um, it's at 8 p.m. Central, and we will uh, take your questions. We'll answer some of them, maybe. I don't know. Uh, we'll just, basically, we just all <laughs> we sit like together. Them. We have some drinks. We chit-chat. Um, and And it's a lot of fun. So join us. Uh, we also are going to have our first live show coming up. So we're really excited about I'm that. excited about and, that. Uh, hopefully that will be available uh, as a podcast. We're going to try. Yeah, <laughs> we'll true. see. Yeah. This, this, when this, when this, what you're hearing now comes out, we'll have already done the live show. So no. I'd say wish us luck, but by the time you hear this, it'll be too late for luck. Right. So <laughs> we're going to feel it right now. One, two, three, feel it. Mmm. So much luck. 
Love it. Thank you, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And, uh, you know, and as always, you know, go to ghoulintentions.com for past episodes. You can also submit your own personal Mm -hmm. experience for consideration to be read as our cold opening in a future episode of Ghoul Intentions. And now we come to the part where you let me guess the quote. I do. I'm excited about that. I mean, you... I you come up with good ones. I think I feel like Thank you have you. stumped me pretty much ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the time. I think I've yeah. only gotten one so far. You've got. I give you hints. I give you good hints. Yeah. So you get them. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. Heath Ledger, the Joker, but the Dark Knight. Nailed it so fast. That was yeah, good. Yes. I know that. I'm, yeah. Sorry. That was very exciting. That was a good one. When I know All it, right. I'm like, blah, blah. I know that. Yeah. You did know that. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Yay. it. It was the Dark Knight, yeah. Heath Ledger. He's currently a ghost somewhere. Um, what? It's not our fault. No. It just makes me sick. I mean. He was such a great actor. I'd love to have seen was. what he would have what more great things he would have wrought upon the world had he you know i think around. he did a great job i love he did fucking a knight's tale are you kidding me oh yeah i love I that a, movie <laughs> i have such a weakness for that movie it's so it's fun so much fun I love and he's that movie. so cute yeah uh, adorable uh, adorable love him. so okay anyway yeah. so on that note well I remember then it's, it's okay, okay to, to sleep, sleep with, with the lights on, on.